everyone, and welcome to Spirit-Led Hope. My name is Glenn Erickson, and in this episode, we're discussing part two of the results of baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, episode 14, which is part one, I encourage you to go back and listen to it, although I will give a quick review. Before we do the review, I thought it'd be fun to give a shout out to a couple of listeners in Tennessee. Whoever you are in the Cookville and Chattanooga areas, I want to thank you for encouraging me by listening to these episodes. And just a reminder to everyone, if you have questions or comments, please email me at glenn at spiritledhope.com. Okay, let's do a quick review. In the last episode, we talked about two main views of baptism with the Holy Spirit. The first view is that baptism with the Holy Spirit takes place immediately upon conversion when the Holy Spirit takes up residence within the believer. And in this view, every Christian is baptized with the Holy Spirit, and there may or may not be some noticeable experience related to this event. And so we accept that the Holy Spirit indwells us based on the promises of Scripture. The second view is held mainly by Pentecostal and Charismatic denominations. And this view says that baptism with the Holy Spirit is associated with the reception of power and the ability to serve God. And it may happen at conversion or at a later time. In this view, the person baptized with the Holy Spirit is aware of something happening Because in Scripture, we see a relationship between this form of baptism with the Spirit and speaking in tongues or prophesying. In the second view, there's also a correlation between being filled with the Spirit and baptism with the Holy Spirit. Most Pentecostals will say that baptism with the Holy Spirit is the event where they were first filled with the Holy Spirit. I made the statement in the last episode that I believe Scripture supports both views of baptism with the Holy Spirit. In other words, both views are true. I also pointed out how Scripture does not define the actual mechanism of how the Holy Spirit works. What Scripture does do is tell us the results of a Christian life because the Holy Spirit's with us, the Holy Spirit's in us, upon us, because the Holy Spirit baptizes us and fills us. And then we went through a list showing some of the results we experience when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit using both views we discussed, and we summarized that list. That's a quick review, but I still encourage you to listen to the previous episode if you haven't already done so. In this episode, I want to share a bit of my story with regards to baptism with the Holy Spirit. And it's not because my story is better than your story, because it's not. But it's the story I know because it's part of my life. It's part of my testimony. In the process of telling my story, I hope that it will help you think about your story, about your life with God, and that this will become a cause for celebration, a cause for reflection, and hopefully stimulate growth. My first experience with baptism with the Holy Spirit, started when I was a child. I was raised going to church. And one of the things our church did that, of course, many churches still do today is we had summer camp. And there was one summer when I was about 10 years old 
that our camp counselor took us out in the evening to this fire pit. And as the fire crackled and popped, he began to share his story about Jesus. And towards the end of his speaking, he invited us to come forward to start a life with Jesus. Anyone who wanted to do that was supposed to take a piece of wood and toss it into the flames to like symbolize a joining with Christ. And here I am, more than five decades later, and I still remember that moment. I can remember sitting on this rough wooden bench, you know, looking down at the ground covered with pine needles. I can still like smell the smoke in the air. I can feel the smoke burning my eyes. And I knew that God was calling me. It wasn't audible, but it was tangible, if that makes sense. I mean, how do you process that as a child? But I remember getting up, grabbing a stick, tossing it into the fire, and returning to my seat. And I had an awareness that what I just did was a real decision and that I belonged to God. The result of that childhood decision is what's highlighted by the first viewpoint of baptism with the Holy Spirit. As a child, I knew I'd give myself to God. I mean, there was a campfire, but there were no exploding fireworks. There were no physical manifestations. Although I do have like the faintest memory that maybe there were tears in my eyes, but it could have been from the smoke. I mean, that's an old memory, but it was very real. The Holy Spirit was internally communicating with my spirit and letting me know that I was God's child. This is the stuff of Romans 8.16. This is what the first view of baptism with the Holy Spirit is all about. At that time, I didn't have any theological understanding of those Bible verses. I just knew I was different. I had a sense of peace and that something had been settled. Maybe you've had a similar experience. Sometimes we know there's a change in us when we give our lives to Jesus. You know, for some, it can be very emotional, especially when someone feels the forgiveness of God. But sometimes we don't know. We don't feel any different or sense any difference. And so we rest on the promises of Scripture. We all have different lives leading up to our conversion experience. And so we should expect that baptism with the Holy Spirit upon conversion will not be a uniform experience in how we feel it. We're all made differently. We have different levels of emotional content, and we see these differences during the conversion process. What is uniform is that God will always respond to the sincere cry of our hearts. And anyone who repents and places their trust in Jesus becomes a temple for the Spirit of God. That is the same for everyone. And again, this is the emphasis of that first definition of baptism with the Holy Spirit we've been talking about. I shared in previous episodes that I used to be a very legalistic person. I won't share in this episode how I got that way, but a legalistic lifestyle was part of me by the time I left home to live in Seattle and attend the University of Washington, Christianity had become, for me, a set of legal rules and more about what I couldn't do than a personal relationship with God. For example, Christianity for me meant that I couldn't drink alcohol, I couldn't dance, or I couldn't play certain types of games. 
The problem with legalism is that it doesn't leave room for grace, and it becomes a very rigid taskmaster. So it clamps down on the freedom we're supposed to have in Christ, and life becomes more about the letter of the law. When you've been under a severe law, there comes a point where you want to be free. And when I started living on my own, I began to break some of the laws. I'm sure many of you can relate to this. I walked right up to some of the behavioral lines I'd kind of like drawn in the sand, and I stepped over them. I mean, not a long way, but enough to have violated something that had been very important to me. Now, if you're legalistic and you follow the rules, you get a false sense of righteousness. But if you're legalistic and you break the rules, like I did, you get shame. Why? Because you know you've sinned. Do you know what saved me from that shame? It was one of the results of the first view of baptism with the Holy Spirit we've been talking about. Even though I had committed shameful acts, see, the Holy Spirit within kept letting me know that I was God's child and that God still loved me. And as I repented, God's grace removed the shame. We should always appreciate the gift of the indwelling presence of God. You know, the Holy Spirit joined with our innermost being. See, this is where our life with Christ begins. And it's a foundational moment when this baptism with the Holy Spirit takes place. After I graduated, Monica and I got married, and we started our family with two beautiful daughters. During this time, I still wrestled with legalism, and then I threw in some additional workaholic tendencies for good measure. But while the kids were both in elementary school, something started to happen to me, and I became very unsettled. Now, in hindsight, I can see it was the Holy Spirit working, but I didn't know it at the time. I couldn't put my finger on it, but something in my life did not feel right. So I began to explore the idea that maybe my beliefs about myself, about God, about life, you know, were wrong. And by the way, that's a tricky thing to do if you're legalistic. And this was a season of a couple years where I began to look at other religions and I re-examined the Bible. In looking at the Bible again, I was a bit shocked because somehow— I had read the Bible several times before, and I missed some key areas. It's interesting. The areas I'd overlooked primarily had to do with grace and the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. So, it was at this time that Monica and I started attending a new church, which just so happens to be the same church where I serve as a bivocational pastor today. Shortly after we started attending, the senior pastor and one of the associate pastors began teaching about baptism with the Holy Spirit. Their teaching covered the second view we've been discussing, you know, this view associated with power. And neither of the pastors shied away from the discussion of speaking in tongues, which was contrary to what I was taught as a young man. I've been thinking about how something was missing in my life. And I began to realize that I'd spent my life relying on my intellect and my own skills to serve God in the way that made sense to me. It became so clear that I'd been living life my way, stuck in a bunch of man-made rules. What came out of this process 
was the clarity and understanding that I needed to submit to Jesus as my Lord. I knew God the Father, and I knew He loved me. I knew the Holy Spirit was within me. I was grateful to Jesus for saving me, but He wasn't my day-to-day Lord. As I reached this realization, I remember praying and telling God that I wanted to submit to Jesus as my Lord, but then I added this condition. And this is how my prayer came out. It was, Jesus, I'll submit to you as my Lord, but I don't want to do that speaking in tongues thing. Now, as I said that, the Holy Spirit showed me the flaw in my logic. How could I say, Jesus is Lord and mean it, if speaking in tongues was something he wanted me to do and I was going to refuse? So, in other words, I was placing conditions on his lordship. I was defining the areas where I would submit to him. You know, Jesus is either Lord of all my life or he really isn't Lord. And that undid me a bit because I'd placed a high value on my intellect and my pride, and speaking in tongues seemed like a silly, anti-intellectual way to look foolish. Really. But it was that topic, speaking in tongues, that showed me my true heart, and that I wanted to be my own Lord. In this process of discovery, I became hungry to know God more. And I wanted to serve him out of gratefulness. And I wanted to do life his way. I won't go into details in this episode, but one Sunday afternoon, I reached the point where I was willing to do whatever Jesus had for me. And this is something you must want. When we repent and we put our trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit automatically moves in. But when it comes to this moment where you place yourself at God's disposal, We must actively yield to him to receive what he's giving to us. And that's a difference between the first view of baptism with the Holy Spirit and the second. The second view associated with power requires an active reception. It's still a gift, but you will not experience it if you don't want it. And this makes sense. If you don't want to serve God, then why would you need spiritual gifts of service? If you don't want to speak in tongues or prophesy, God's not going to make you do it. And that is why Paul says to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. As I yielded to the Lordship of Jesus that Sunday afternoon, a pastor and several people prayed for me, and it was like something out of the book of Acts. All I will say right now is that I was aware of God's presence in a way that I had never experienced. I gave myself as fully as I could at that moment to Jesus as Lord, you know, to be whatever he wanted me to be, to do whatever he wanted me to do. And if he wanted me to speak in tongues, I was ready. That experience changed my life. Interestingly, I did not speak in tongues that afternoon, but I was fundamentally different, and I knew it. It wasn't the same type of change as my conversion experience. 
it wasn't like God showed up for the first time because the Holy Spirit was already within me. But I saw God in a new way. And I related to him differently, you know, more intimately. It's it's almost beyond words. A few days later, I was driving to work, singing worship songs in my car, when I just started singing in another language. And it surprised me how beautiful it was. And I'm not a good singer. It wasn't that odd. It wasn't anti-intellectual. It was a cooperative effort with the Holy Spirit that made me more aware of God's presence. Within days, I was speaking prophetic words, which I've shared about in prior episodes. I started getting words of knowledge. I understood the Bible better. And when I prayed for people and served them, things happened. I also began to see my own flaws more clearly. And my growth in love and the fruit of the Spirit accelerated. Legalism began to disappear. When I submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, receiving what He was offering, and was baptized with the Holy Spirit in power, I felt complete. Maybe for the first time. It was, and it's still today, the most satisfying feeling and way of life. It's the totality of both views of baptism with the Holy Spirit that brings fullness in our relationship with God and gives us power to serve Him and others. I'm not trying to make anyone get stressed out over their definition of baptism with the Holy Spirit, but my challenge to all of us is this. What should the results be from baptism with the Holy Spirit? What should our life be like in Christ with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit? I'm convinced the results of baptism with the Holy Spirit should include the confidence that the Holy Spirit lives within us, you know, never to leave us, and the assurance that the Father loves us with an everlasting love, and that our Lord Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit so that our character can be transformed and we can serve God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where it gets exciting. I just shared part of my story, but you have a story too. I don't know where you are in your story. Maybe you're just now learning about Jesus, or maybe you've known him for a long time, and you're smiling along with me because you see the common thread in our stories of God's grace. It doesn't matter how different we are or how different our stories are. God loves us all, and his grace is extended towards each one of us. He'll make all our stories beautiful with his presence. I hope this encourages you to press into what God has for you. He wants you to be confident of his love towards you. And he has an adventure waiting for you as an ambassador for Jesus because you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit through his presence and his power. In this episode, I shared how God used the gift of tongues to help me identify my true thinking. In the next episode, we'll start unpacking the gift of tongues more fully. And now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until next episode, take care.